everybody and welcome to the last episode of Coraline the movie. <laughs> it's been a journey. It's gonna be even a longer one. Strap in and thank you for making it this far. Yay! So Coraline makes it through the colon. And the most important thing, in my opinion, to note when she goes through that door is that she is still wearing the new outfit. Her yes. clothes don't change back. In my opinion, because she is wearing the same clothing, she is not in the actual reality reality where her mm. parents actually are and everything. So, Do you know what? I know, I know what we're supposed to believe, but I like being the fucking naysayer. It's my jam. And I would be very much on your side because you are making a lot of sense here if YB <laughs> wasn't there. Well, if maybe, a real YB, YB wasn't my, there. maybe YB is part of the problem. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> Pretty much immediately after she gets back, there is a, is it a knock on a door or is it a bell ringing? First, we have the spoiled food on the kitchen table. Oh, yeah. It's, which is uh, like, where is mom who went and bought this food? And how long was Coraline gone? for this food to go bad. Yeah. It brings in a lot of questioning about the timeline of the whole situation. Because as I said before, we don't actually know the time passing, paralleling with the real world and the other world. Yeah, but in the end, no time seems to have passed. So my theories are very valid. <laughs> we don't really know. I would like to put that question on the list because we've had a really similar question for the Lucifer where we were wondering heaven, hell, or earth time because we managed to see some of those things in work. But here, other world, real world, timelines, I want to know. Yeah. Give me all the information on timey-wimey stuff, Mr. Sir. Timey-wimey. Jeremy Barrymy. It's all Jeremy Barrymy. Maybe we're in the dots of the Jeremy Barrymy. That is a very good point. Thank you very much. It is soft now and we no longer have the dots. If you have no idea what we're talking about, you need to watch The Good Place. And if you haven't, don't know anything about it. Just watch it. Trust us. But Just do it. As you mentioned before, now we have someone at the door. I don't remember if it's a doorbell or a knock, but someone is at the door and that someone is YB. And mm -hmm. Coraline is just info dumping on him in panic mode and she is not making any sense. I do not blame YB for how he reacts to this version of Coraline. Yeah, to be fair, she just went through a severe trauma and she can't find her parents now. Like, I also don't blame her, but I also don't blame him. Like, this As makes again, a lot of sense. There is no one to blame. It's rare for us to not yeah. hate on at least one character in the movie, especially for me. Yeah, I mean, I always find myself a victim as well, so it's weird. Usually one of us has to be the apologist for one of the characters characters and so far this has not been the case no it is a very curious situation for us yeah very curious i like it we have this info dump on yb and we need to get through it real fast because we just saw it so it would be boring yeah. for us as viewers to hear it all over again that's a really good so, point that's why she is so hectically dumping it on him because yeah. we don't need to hear it yeah good point yeah and he doesn't need to understand it yet yeah as well i did not consider it that way but you are absolutely fucking right ah thank you i love when you say that say it more often please i do say it often shut up i know but that's what i more mean that i need constant confirmation that i am correct anyway i am needy mm -hmm. what who said that? YB runs away. And Coraline does the only thing that I would consider sensible for 
an 11 year old child and that is she goes to the nearest half what sensible grown up that she can meet and mm -hmm. i fully understand that she picks the sisters over Bobinski. Bobinski. Because Bobinski talks to his mice. Yeah. So it made he sense. He doesn't seem that t in touch with reality as exactly. the sisters are. The sisters are just old and blind and love their dogs too much. But other than True. that, they seem normal enough, basically. Well, speaking of them loving their dogs a little bit too much, Caroline <laughs> gets in there and... One of the sisters is fitting Angus with the angel outfit that they use for the dead ones. And you can tell by his eyes, he's nearly blind. Yeah. He has the same shade on the, than mm. the older, than the taller sister has. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. This is how we know they're getting blind. Oh, bless. So, yeah, he's being prepped for the wall of fame, basically. He's getting a fitting. That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. So Caroline shares that she can't find her parents and the sisters obviously are like, oh no, who's going to take us to the theater now? Yeah, because they cannot walk two miles, which I find hilarious because two miles is simply not a distance. It's not, but for what them, about yes. her with her jelly legs? I mean, obviously for old people, two miles is a distance, but for me, it's like two miles. Come on, fucking what? So mm -hmm. maybe you were right and the dad did not need a pickup because it was only two miles. Yeah. Well, the thing is that they seem to be very eccentric, but at some point they actually become helpful. So what happens is that they take one of the toffees going, I know what you need. And they start breaking up the toffee. And there was and a that is and so cool with the knitting yeah. needles yeah. that she just crunches it up. Girl, I fucking lost my shit. I love this scene so much. I really wish uh, that bit we talked about this uh, ends up in the episode. So if you don't know what I'm talking about now, you have to listen to the bonus material. But the fact that they hide the things in the toffee, power items. Yes. Excellent. That will not Loving make it this. into the episode. We have a theory Rude. that they are vampire warlocks who hide items of powers in the toffee so if you want to know more listen to the bonus but the item that is hidden in the toffee here imdb is being very helpful because imdb says the strange object that mrs spink and mrs forcible give Coraline on her second visit is an adderstone according to european mythology adderstones have magical powers such as the ability to reveal witch disguises and traps by looking through the middle of the stone Coraline does just this in the other world to find the ghost children's real eyes. Adder, A-D-D-E-R. Yeah. I gave us the Adderstone tangent, become a believer. And before we leave this scene, of course, we have the sisters fighting if the stone is for finding lost things or identifying bad things. And they just go, bad, lost, bad, lost. Por que las dos? Por que no las dos? Uh, uh, por, por que no las dos, yes. I, my Spanish is atrocious. <laughs> por que no las dos? I say, no, this is just for the lost thing, because it only highlights the lost eyes, nothing else. Well, in this context, maybe, but as we have just very briefly learned in our uh, super, super great tangent in our bonus. It has many layers, yes. It has many layers, and it is yeah. generally thought to be both. But in this universe, it's very obvious just for lost things. Yes, but I think that this is there intentionally so we know that there are different meanings to this stone. So this is a Neil thing. Maybe. We are back in 
the real house in a normal apartment. And Coraline is really sad. And so she goes mm-hmm. into her parents' bedroom. And, and we see the family photo in the zoo in front of the fountain mm-hmm. where they are really, really happy. Coraline is building her parents in the bed. And once again, so- it makes no sense because the neck brace is there. The yeah. mom in the mirror where she is being captive is wearing the neck brace. As is the mom that is coming home. So what? And then Beldam is wearing the neck brace when Coraline actually comes back over into the other world. Beldam can create whatever the fuck she wants. The neck brace should not be there. I think that since all of their clothes is there as well, I think they should be naked in the mirror. But they're not and thus the neck brace shouldn't be there. I think it would be make better sense in general, in total, if they were naked in the mirror. Also, I didn't see all their clothing. I only saw the glasses and I saw the neck brace and both of these items are worn in the mirror. So it makes no sense. Which, once again, give credence to my theory. It's illusion. It's not there, exactly. She is not there. No, she is there, but it's illusion in the mirror. Mm, anyway, no. Coraline is... Clearly, she is very lonely and she is very much struggling. So she has gotten to a point where she is realizing what she's lost. And she thinks this is the permanent change that even though she didn't take the button eyes, she has lost her parents regardless. Which is really depressing, by the way. Yeah, and she cries herself to sleep. Well, she tries. Well, I think she falls asleep for a moment. It's also important to note that she has changed into her pajamas. So she does not sleep in the other world's outfit. We don't know what happens to that outfit. We never see it again. Yeah, because she probably burnt it. I don't think so. Because for the rest, she is wearing her pajamas. Yes. The orange ones. Honestly, if I was her, I'd burn it. Yeah, I don't think as well as the dolls. 11 years old are in a habit of burning clothes when they just lost their parents. So I mean, she burns the doll. Which is like a spontaneous reaction. I think she could very easily just throw in the sweater and the trousers. But that is just Also my very curious to me that she even has a fire going. Because like what 11 year old knows how to make a fire? I did. Okay. It was one of my favorite things to do. Okay. To build a fire. I have learned to build a fire very, very young. Because, yeah, because... pretty, pretty flames. Huh. No. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not a fan. Says the woman with the candles in the bed. Um, <laughs> yes. She gets waken up by the cat. Because we're skipping yes. over that if we're already burning the, the puppet. Yes. She cries herself to sleep. She's in her pajamas. And then... She gets waken up by the cat, which is very cat of the cat because she gets repeatedly punched on the nose with the paw. Mm-hmm. And that is just very cat of the cat, I have to say. Yes, absolutely. Just proof that it's a real cat. I mean, that was never in doubt. And then, of course, she asks questions, but the cat doesn't talk. But it once again does the slow blink as a yes. It's really, really well done because when the answer is mm-hmm. no, the cat doesn't blink. But when the answer is yes, you get the slow blink. Uh-huh. So this is very clearly the way of the cat to communicate in this world. Yeah. And so the cat is the one leading her to realization that Beldam has taken the parents and is keeping them captive and they need her help. And she has to be the one to help them and fix the situation. Yep. And as you said, she is now burning the fucking effigy of her parents, which I think is such a fucking dumb move. I just would never do that Unless I found them. Also, the fact that she breaks the mirror. If they are trapped in the mirror and you break the mirror, you are essentially, in my head, trapping them forever. Because now they can't get out. It's a risk. And if you burn the effigy, you could also be burning them. So, very obviously, she has not read the same books you and I have. Mm Mm-hmm. 
grew up in a very different world. Which, once again, we had this debate last episode. Coraline is not a reader. Very obviously. If she was a reader, she wouldn't do this stupid shit. A lot of those, yeah. Yeah. But she collects all of her bravery and, you know what? Respect. She collects her bravery, her garden shears, the stone that she's received from the sisters. And there's some sort of a paper that I didn't really, couldn't figure out what it was. There was a third thing that she puts in the bag. It's white. And to the rescue. I missed that apparently. So I really appreciate that Coraline prepares. She packs a fucking bag. And if you listen to us for a while, this is something I will always complain about when people just get off into something without any preparation. And she is prepared. And especially the fucking garden shears and the adder stone is so important. So I am very much here for it. And I love it. Mm -hmm. She basically arms herself with one thing that she knows how to use. The only thing I don't understand is why she is wearing the hat. But of course, in the end, she is using the hat as a boomerang. So it actually has sense. Mm. I feel like it's her outdoors hat. So when she goes out on a mission, she would wear a hat, which is what she's doing now. Maybe, but like she deliberately puts on the hat and later on she uses the hat as like a weapon. So I can Mm -hmm. appreciate that. Even though in that moment, I did not understand that. And so this is the moment where she, knowing the danger, willingly goes into the tunnel to get her parents back. And this Mm -hmm. obviously is like the classic hero's journey, willingly walking into danger to save others than yourself. So we are now in the final stretch. This is the confrontation. We have to figure out a way to save them. And it makes sense because we're now basically two thirds into the movie and the Mm -hmm. last third is her facing Baldam and then fighting her, obviously winning and then coming to terms with her new life and everything. We go back into the tunnel and literally the second we enter the tunnel, the cat talks again. Yeah. Because we are entering again the other world. We are inside the colon. Yeah, but... Obviously, that does not work with my, oh, we're not actually in the real world because she's still wearing the outfit. Unless, of course, Coraline's subconscious is like, oh, no, we're in the real world. So now the cat can't talk. So now she is not making up that the cat is talking, which is Well, maybe the pocket universe that is possibly happening there also (laughs) doesn't allow the cat to talk or he just doesn't want to talk. Also, did you notice that this time the tunnel has no items? It is like Beldam already digested all the toys. It's empty. It's not 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 nice. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. I didn't put a lot of effort into <laughs> focusing on the colon. And I don't remember why, but I wrote down, without the cat, Caroline would be so fucked. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I think that that's just a statement that could be placed anywhere where the cat is actually in the scene. Yeah, but uh, for some reason that is something that I specifically pointed out in this moment. But I can't really remember what the cat does in this moment. Well, obviously all of this is a trap. Oh, with yeah. the shadow of mom at the end of the tunnel, the candle blowing out and Coraline rushing there, hugging her mom and then whoopsie, who the funk? It's actually Beldame. And she morphs even more into her insect-like form. Mm-hmm. And so that is just terrifying. Also, this is the first time I noticed it and I don't know if it happened before. The picture frame of the ice cream boy is another spider. Like it's in the shape of a spider. Ew, 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 ugh, gross. I did not notice that and I don't want to notice that. Thank you very much. (laughs) It's just another fucking level of detail. So I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Now, 
Of course, and I just realized why the cat is saving Coraline's arse all over again, because he tells her that she, Beldam, likes to play games. Oh, yeah. So she needs to challenge her yes. into something. She and might not play fair, how... but she will play. Yes. Yes. That was she, it. She can't not, basically. It's yeah. in her nature to play. So uh, this is what Caroline does. She uh, challenges Beldame. But it's, it, it's going to be Beldame. a moment because first we meet the other father who is now turning into an actual pumpkin. Like there's Ugh. even like stuff growing out of his ear. Yeah. He's literally turning Poor into a pumpkin, baby. which is a bit Poor sad. Baby. And he is being sent off into the garden, which is important because when we go into the garden later on... He's there. We need him there because he's actually helping. And once again, we have amazing looking food on the table. Despite all that is going on, the food still looks so fucking nice. Mm -hmm. And we get reconfirmation that she needs consent. She cannot force the button ice on Coraline. Coraline has yep. to say yes. So it is a choice. Even if it is an incredibly sucky choice, but it is a fucking choice. So I am very much here for that. And it also works very well with the whole fairy, she, like, contract stuff. Yep. So I'm very, very much there for it. The mom says, uh, the three wonders I made for you, as mm -hmm. the hint, when she finally does the bet at the game and everything. Did you instantly clock the three wonders? Like, was it clear to you what are the three? Well, I will never know, because when I watched it the first time, you literally just started telling me the wonders. Oh, so. no! Did I? Screw me! <laughs> like, so, because you were like, oh, I was so excited. Do you know which ones they are? Obviously, it's the garden, and then like the other. And I was like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's fine. This is why you don't watch shit with me for the first time. <laughs> I don't mind, because I think that the garden was very obvious. Yeah. I think if I gave it a little bit of thought, I would have realized what the wonders are mm. the theater and the circus. And the garden. But at that point, Coraline also needs to think about it a little bit. So you yeah, do she's get really that space slow. too. Well, she hasn't seen the movie, so, <laughs> you know. That is a good point. I fucking love that. Yeah. Coraline hasn't watched the movie. This is why it's taking her a little bit longer. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much here for that. I love the phrasing that the other mother makes out of the whole hint. Mm -hmm. She says, and quotes, in each of the great wonders I made just for you, mm -hmm. a ghost eye is lost in plain sight. So that means, first of all, Coraline has seen all of the ghost eyes already. Yes. She has yes. encountered them. Second of all, the other mother makes super fucking sure that even in this situation, she is making it about Coraline. It's the great wonders that she made just for her and for nobody else. And she kind of also sets Coraline up for success because all of this is something that Coraline is already used to that she has seen before. So she does not have to venture into something unknown. So yeah. she actually does give her a fighting chance. Yeah, she has to because Coraline sets it up really well. She's actually being smart for a change. But the cat was with the, oh, she's not going to like play fair. I feel like Beldam is actually playing fair. Well, she plays fair with the eyes. She's not playing fair with the parents. And because she is so heavily hinging on the fact that everything of the agreement has to come true. But I'm, I'm actually disagreeing on that. Because the ghost kids tell Caroline that mother will not 
let her leave even if she wins the game. We don't actually have any proof for that. Like, just playing devil's advocate here. Coraline lies to Beldam that her parents are behind the door to force Beldam to open the door so that she can escape. Mm -hmm. We don't actually know if Beldam would have honored the rules of the game. Because Coraline doesn't give her the chance. Yes. Which so is maybe... actually really smart because she has been told repeatedly by multiple people not that to trust her. She should not be trusted. Yes. Yeah. I just feel a bit bad for her mother, you know? Oh because God. she is playing fair when it comes to the wonders. I think that she's too self-confident. I don't think this is her being fair. This is I think this is full on her being arrogant. I actually want to put this on the question list that if Coraline had played the game fairly to the end, if Beldame would have let her leave. Yeah, I don't think she would, but I don't I feel like children, listen, you know. I'm going to humor you. Put it on the list. Yay. But I think that it's, it's going to get a low prio. That's okay. It's it's a low yeah. prio question. <laughs> low prio. Also, we kind of skimmed through this. Did you notice when Caroline first gets into the room, when she climbs through the tunnel, before she goes into the kitchen, you can hear like a glass polishing noise? The no. Little... So we hear the mirror squeaking, basically. We or hear the... the parents inside the... I, I'm pretty sure... I don't know if you can actually see them, but you can definitely hear them. So it's a squeaking inside the rubbing. snow globe. Yeah, 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 rubbing on the snow globe because mm, um, now I have to go back and do a freeze frame and make sure if they're in the globe. I know for a fact that when the noise happens, we are looking at the room through the chandelier, mm -hmm. and this is why I was like, or I don't know why I'm thinking they're in the chandelier, but this is the association when I was yeah. watching it again. I'm gonna have to go back that, that because this is really curious. I did not catch the sound. Yeah. So uh, then, obviously, Coraline goes into the kitchen, and this whole conversation happens. We get breakfast for dinner. Which I love. If you ever watched Hannibal, it's going to make sense why I love breakfast for dinner. It's a mm -hmm. thing. And while she cooks the eggs, we have a tiny skeleton king head inside of the egg instead of an egg white. I still can't believe that happened. I didn't notice that. Exciting. And so the entire thing, let's play a game. She perks up, la 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 la, in all of the great wonders. And then Coraline turns around to shake on it. But apparently that's not necessary, which I also appreciate. So yeah, we never we shook on it. World. Exactly. Well, in Veldem's world, that means that the word alone should be enough. But we also are going into this game with the assumption that she's not going to hold that word, yeah. keep that word. But that's so, the thing, like for the Fae, the word is enough, you know? So I'm actually curious, which is why I want to ask that question. Hmm. It takes Coraline a bit to realize that, oh, maybe the garden is the first thing. And we head out into the gardens and I'm going to have to point it out again. We pass the penis flowers one more time. <laughs> and then the dragon snaps are Dangerous her. again. And how did she not see that coming? I mean, yes, she deals with the situation well enough. But honey, even when it wasn't out to murder you, it already attacked you. So why wouldn't it happen again? So yeah, she's really not um, the smartest cookie in the jar. I'm sorry. Her situational awareness sucks. Um, sh I'm a with you for sure there but then Beldem plays her card a little too early I think mm. because she mm. has the 
flying things. The dragonflies. Steal the dragonflies. Steal the Adderstone. Yes. Which is when Coraline has to use her head as the boomerang. So she already, like, she regains the Adderstone, but she loses the hat. Which means that later on, the only thing she has to throw is the Adderstone. Yeah, but... I think if uh, Belden wasn't trying to get the stone, Coraline would have never thought of using it. Potentially, but I think the cat would have shown up and helped with it. So, Well, we don't know if the cat knows the significance of the stone. Oh yeah, of course. That for me is no doubt. The cat knows literally fucking everything. He's too smart. Like, I'm I'm willing to bet that he knows everything. I'm not saying he's not. You're not wrong that she tipped her hand earlier than she might have had to. She at least should have, like, watched a Equal bit longer. attention, yeah. And see if Coraline figures out the stone or not. And not go for the stone before Coraline figures it out. Yeah, yeah. So, nevertheless... The stone gets taken, Coraline manages to save it, and at that point she goes, but why would they want this? Yeah. And she looks she through it. it out. She looks through the hall. And by looking through it, we see the glowing orb. And the yeah. glowing orb is attached to the praying mantis that is ridden by a very pumpkin-like dad and the fucking piano hands. So I hadn't yeah. realized initially when I first watched this many, many years ago that the piano hands come off. <laughs> Unfortunately, they do. He manages to take them off and he manages to actually help Coraline. He Sacrificing himself. Her. Yeah, he... Uh, Sacrifices himself in order to help her and hand her over the first ghost eye. Yeah, he literally dies for her. Just as YB died already for her, we just don't know it yet. Mm -hmm. So that is not traumatizing at all. No! Yeah. (laughs) But I love it because... Even though we have created a situation, we have created a relationship to both of these characters. Yeah. They are not the real deal. But we like them. We did like them. We uh, did appreciate the fact that they do love Coraline. But luckily, we still have the real version of both of them. Yeah. So it doesn't hurt us as much. Yeah. Exactly. It should hurt Coraline more. I'm going to just put that out there. Well, she is busy. And so now she has the first eyeball, basically, which is hilarious to me that it's like one ball for two eyes. Mm -hmm. We hear the boy ghost saying, thank you, miss. You found my eyes. But there's two more. And Coraline very cockily goes like, I'm getting the hang of it. And I'm like, are you though? Are you really getting the hang of it? Kind of. I mean, so far she has not really excelled on any of this by herself. It's pure dumb luck. I mean, she's an 11-year-old child. What do you expect? More. Um, Yeah, sorry. I'm still me. And now that the garden has been done, basically, it starts fading. And at the same time, we basically get a lunar eclipse. There is something moving in front of the moon. We cannot see yet what it is. Obviously, it's going to be a button. But also, the moon starting to shade over implies that there is a time limit on the game. There Mm -hmm. was never a mention on a time limit. So I'm very curious. She don't play fair. And I don't consider this not playing fair. This is why you have to phrase your 
agreements, your contracts were to face so carefully. It's the same with like genies and your wishes and shit like that. Neither of them mentioned a time limit. So yeah. that means that there is no time limit. No, 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 no. That's human logic, not fey logic. It's Ech. like a main part of like so many stories that something didn't get specified and so you left wiggle room, which is like why fey people make such great lawyers. I mean, of course, but like <laughs> when there is no mention of time, that's not a wiggle room. That's just blank space. Exactly. And in blank space, you can write in whatever the fuck you want. Let's just agree to disagree. Oh, that's not me. That's stories. The next thing that she's going to do is she's going to go to the theater. Yes. Which is interesting because that's not the second wonder that she's seen. Yes. It would have like chronologically made more sense. But we need the Bobinski rat to be the final wonder. Piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Because... She is more competent than the fucking sisters who are just gross and terrifying. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you agree with me on that one. We go into the theater and she picks up the flashlight. And with that, she sees that the angel dogs have turned into bad dogs and are hanging from the ceiling of the theater. It's so cool. Meanwhile, the two aunties are inside basically a candy wrapper on stage mm -hmm. and inside they're resting they are completely intertwined so they are like taffy twins they are literally yep. made out of taffy yep and twisted like a candy cone they are twisted indeed yeah so um <laughs> that is terrifying also it kind of works with the pull toffee that they have exactly in the real world exactly once again taken inspiration from the real world and taken the weird ladies and their obsession with taffy and combined it into in my opinion the worst abomination in this entire movie anyway okay so you don't think that's the, the worst part the intertwined uh, twins i in don't think pink it's the worst. Green. It's gross. It's it's what it is. Okay. It's very fetus-like. Yeah. Even with the wrapper and everything. Yeah, it's. Ugh. I still think that a colon filled with spider webs is worse. Nah, nah, no, no, no. To me, the fetus but, candy know, is worse. Each to their own phobia. That is totally fine. But also, I mean, fucking Neil Gaiman. We have a fucking colon and a fucking fetus candy. So it's like, dude, what is wrong with you? Who made your so brain much this on so way? Many <laughs> uh, yeah. But as disturbing as this entire scene is, this is also the first time Coraline shows actual competence and forethought because she uses the flashlight to wake up the bad dogs. And mm -hmm. when that isn't enough, she actually throws the light at them. Mm -hmm. to then have them attack. And she ducks out of the way in just the right moment to be able to pull off the ring and have everyone else like combined in this ginormous taffy ball. And the dogs get stuck to the taffy, obviously. Yeah. So this is really smart. And this is all her. There is no yeah. external help. And this is the only time this happens. That feels weird. But it is. Is it? How is it? The dad helps in the garden. Yeah. YB helps her escape. Oh. The cat helps with the rat at the very end of the circus. And she fucking like, okay, she throws the, the cat at mother at the very end. Yeah. But like even before that, when she like a lot of decision making is her own. Which? Like when she, first of all, when she decides to even save her parents in the first place. And the but children. she only does that after being prompted by the cat. No, the cat tells her 
if you're gonna go back there, you are going straight into a trap. Yeah, but like still, the the whole I'm gonna save my parents only happens after the interaction with the cat. It's not from just her. He finds the parents for her. Oh. He shows her where they are. To me, this feels like the first time Caroline is actually in control of her own actions. That is fair enough. All right, now is the moment, the terrifying moment, when as she is walking to the third slash second wonder, she realizes that YB is gone. The because other we YB. basically have a flag of an empty YB hanging up there. It's an empty YB. And she shouts at the moon, basically, at mother. Mm -hmm. And we see that it's a button moving in front of the moon, which, duh, of course, makes sense. Still surprises me every single time I see it. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not scared of you! Da, 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 da. So, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to believe it, but at least she's putting on a brave front, you know? She's trying. Wyborn is no longer Wyborn. He is now Why dead? Bin born. Oh, you you say bin born, bin born, bin bonds. Um, I say not Wyborn, but Why dead? So it's not. We know Why dead. It's it's not YB. It's it's, it's YD. You know. YD. Ah, so she enters the amazing Bobinski apartment. Yes. And it is not exactly how we remember it from being there last time. But it is still similar enough. It is similar enough, but it is very much, there is weird, creepy things moving in the background. And we are not really sure what's going on and where Mr. Bobinski is. And it all becomes very overwhelming for Coraline. And then she gets attacked. But before she gets attacked, attacked... We have the conversation, right? The ginormous red Bobinski talks to her. Yeah, so she kind of gets like bumped around and she ends up back in the tent. And then there's a conversation. Oh, okay. I, I forgot that she got attacked before that. And Bobinski starts applying logic. Yeah, he is actually the first creature to talk to her, to try and make it make sense why this mm -hmm. actually is the better option. And I think were this not this late and had she not already lost the other YB and the other father, this would have struck home a lot better. Yeah. So this should have been the initial approach of Valdam, mm -hmm. in my opinion, instead of murdering the two other characters she likes. Yeah, because now since they're gone, there is truly nothing but Valdam exactly. in this world for Coraline. And that's not good enough. Nothing that isn't terrifying. Yeah, but he does try to drive some points home. He says, you'll be bored and neglected as always, which is exactly how this feels for Coraline yeah. before this adventure starts. She feels like this is never going to end. She's always going to be neglected, regardless of which catalog is needed to be done because she only thinks about herself yeah. and how she feels and what she's doing. So as you said, this would have been a really good tactic. Alas, too little It's too, too late. late. It's too late and the surrounding situation is not a match anymore. This is something that should have been, I think, sold in a nicer way with the buttons. I think they tried, but they didn't actually drive it. It feels like their heart wasn't really in it. I think it should have been the story setup with the, if you stay here, I can protect you from ever feeling neglected again. And nothing is going to ever change in the real world with your worst mother. And la la la. Like, yeah. this should have been like the lead up, an actual conversation yeah. on the, I only want what's best for you. I want to protect you. I want you to be here. 
and then ended with the there is just this tiny thing you have to do if you actually want all of this and that is the butt nice and mm-hmm. I think that would have been smarter and safer better so see the thing well, is well we would be amazing at stealing we have... children <laughs> sorry oh, yeah. <laughs> the thing is that we have figured out why it is this way now. Yes, because I know. it's been so Decades. long that she's been fed. Decades. There is this urge, the need that is pushing Urgency. her. It's yeah. no longer we're gonna do this and we're gonna take our time and we're gonna enjoy ourselves while doing it. She can't do it nicely. She has to do it quickly, and that is the yeah. problem. Quick and dirty. And also, Caroline is not the perfect child when it comes to that. That is another problem. Yep. So, yeah. Okay. We have the escalation with the conversation and Coraline not being a fan anymore. And so the ginormous red Bubinski turns into not one red, but a lot of reds. And all of them start attacking Coraline. And they take the, the eye and the ball. And so since she is out of items... Because she already used the garden scissors and she already used her hat. So the last item that she has is the stone. So she throws the stone, but obviously not the greatest move because now she doesn't have it anymore to find the missing eyes. And she missed. Yep. So she missed Which is the once chance. Yeah. So uh, obviously she thinks that she's lost. And she starts crying. It is uh, the biggest disappointment because I don't think that she realized that is an option. I don't think that up until this point it really sank in that it's actual a real possibility that she's going to be left there. That she could lose. Yeah, that she's never going to see her parents again. Yeah, and at this point it all just starts scrambling around her, not just metaphorically or like, (laughs) not just physically, but also metaphorically. I think in the first wonder she was more scared, but... It all worked out quite well. And she did really well in the second wonder. So I think she got a bit overly self-assured. And that was the problem, you know. As you said, the world around her starts falling apart. But luckily we have the cat. And as I said, without the cat, she would be fucking fucked. Yeah! The cat is still the fucking queen of sass. Because he mentioned earlier that he really does not like rats. And so he drops the carcass of the head rat on her feet, basically, with the ball. Now we have the three balls for the three dead children. So we have completed mission number one. And because we have completed all the three missions or all the three submissions, now the world is actually deconstructing. And I love the fact that it looks like it was knitted. Like it looks like pulling a thread on a sweater because it's mm. all like um these these like I don't even know the terms for it because I can't knit and Oops. I don't even uh, like basically so when you when you unravel it like it literally has like the it's not straight the the line that gets yeah. pulled but it's like wiggly yeah so it literally looks like a fucking thread being pulled from like a knitted sweater and mm. all over it's so cool visually it is very beautiful visually yes like that that moment is just so amazing also because like we feel like we now have an actual chance yeah because we technically kind of know where the parents are yeah not really but you know we do but she doesn't because she still thinks they're behind the mirror right that was the last time that she saw them yeah no she broke the mirror so they're not there well but maybe they're behind the other mirror you know i think she doesn't know where they are but she knows they're inside the house 
That's all she knows. So we go inside, and while Coraline is walking in, or before she starts walking in, she puts the cat in her bag, which I love. Yeah, because again, the world is falling apart around them, and for some reason, the fastest way to get the cat out of there is to have him jump into her bag. Yeah, because he doesn't like to get his feet wet or dirty. Come on. I love that. It's adorable anyway. He's a prima donna, and that is amazing. They get inside, and one of my favorite effects from the backgrounds is that the wallpaper is looks like it's really, really old and it's peeling up. Yeah, and it's in the process of peeling up. It's amazing. Yeah, it looks so good and it really gives you the vibe of what's going on. Yeah. Incredible. Absolutely. And we have spiderwebs everywhere, of course. Yeah, because now Beldam is converting more and more to her actual self and now we finally get the visual in the living room where... She has four legs and two arms. And she's got needle hands again. That is the first time we see those. Well, not the first time we see those, but the first time we see them within the context of the story, yes. But now we see them on her, so now it ties back to the beginning of the movie. And so now we basically get like the final confirmation that she is the one who made the doll. Yep. And she remade the doll because she always has to make it look like her current target. Exactly. So that is part of the really magic. Good. Yes. And of course, the girls' children here chime in with, oh, Mrs. Mrs. She's not going to play fair. She's not going to let you leave. La 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 la. It's like, shut up. You don't know that. Don't discredit my poor monster. I feel very protective okay. of her for some reason. Don't ask me why. I don't know what's going on there. So I'm just going to let it go. There is a moment where Coraline is being very smart because she realizes, first of all, that it's very unlikely for Bildam to actually let her go, even if she finds her parents. Second of all, she doesn't know where the parents are, but she knows that if she finds them now, it it's going to be very difficult to get out of there because the door is currently locked. Yeah. And the key is inside of Belden's stomach. Yeah. Like, so we need the key out. It is impossible for her. Yeah. It She cannot get to the key unless Belden does it, like takes, takes it out herself. So she does the smartest thing that she's done the entire movie. Yes, absolutely. Full agreement there. And she plays her. Yeah. And she plays her well. Like, very well. This is really the most impressive action of Coraline. Yeah. So, very much here for it. We, again, as Baldam is getting busy with the whole key situation, it's everything, so we gross. Hear the sound. How she... <laughs> yeah, no. We hear the sound of the wiping of the glass. This time I heard it. Coraline, do you know what? I think, and it's something that I didn't think of before, but it obviously makes so much sense. I think that the parents are not inside the mirror. No. They have been in the snow globe the entire time. Yes. And the fact that Coraline could see them inside the mirror was the cat doing his magic. So he shows her her parents. I was more on the kitschy, the love of her parents crossing worlds and you need a reflective surface for the portals between the fey world and our world. Because like that's how like mirrors and like reflection water, like you need to cover mirrors and shit like when you don't want like bad spirits to come through. So that is why it worked for me. Mm. Because I don't think mm. the cat has magic beyond itself like the cat has magic within himself but not outside of himself hmm. so i don't think he can work magic he just is magic well maybe he attracts magic to me it was just like the, the normal like uh, mirrors being like a visual portal into the other world because it Very is so possible. normal in, in so many other like fairy stories hmm. 
like when you do the Bloody Mary <laughs> shit, you also have to talk into a mirror when you do like seances and, and stuff like that. Yeah. You often work with like reflective surfaces. Yeah. So that's that's why I was like, oh, it's a love of the parents. Transcending. But regardless of where they have been the whole time or how that whole situation happened, she does find them in the snow globe. She realizes at the yeah. very last possible moment, and she is facing another decision, is and that is Beldane now opened the door yes. to prove to her that she was wrong, which means that she technically lost the game. Yes, which means she better needs to get out of there. So she's gonna have to cheat, and she does it in the literal best way possible. It was so fucking hilarious. I love it so much. The quick thinking, the quick decision making, I mm-hmm. really, really enjoy that. She throws the cat at Beldam. Like, it's the something that she's been planning the entire time. And the cat fucks up Beldam so much. Like, he rips her eyes off, the button eyes. Yeah. Which makes her look yeah. even more terrifying. Which is great for Coraline as well as the cat and as uh, as well for everybody else. But I also love that this is a very authentic reaction. It's not something that was planned. It's yeah. something that has been long time coming. I don't think they've ever had like a physical confrontation, but they have oh, no, had never. Yep. a very much rivalry for a very long time. Mm. So it's just something that's been brewing to, up to this very animalistic moment. But also so, the mwah. second the cat blinds her, he also fucks the nope out of there. Yeah, absolutely fair. Like, yeah. Nope, do not want to be in that situation. And fuck Coraline. She just puts me through this. So yeah. I don't hope you die, but basically you're on your own, babe. Yeah. Now... Beldam loses all pretense of caring, of niceness, of whatever. And she calls Coraline a selfish brat, which is hilarious because in the beginning of the movie, Coraline is a selfish brat. Yeah. But she isn't anymore. And also calling someone selfish because they don't want to die for someone else. (laughs) Girl, I like you, but no. (laughs) And then, of course, we get this entire visual thing with the spider web mm-hmm. and Coraline climbing and, and getting stuck on one of the lines because mm-hmm. in an actual spider web not every part of it is sticky so this once again is like a very realistic example of how a spider web works so I fucking love it but Coraline makes it up the fucking spider web she makes it into the door and she nearly she fucking nearly manages to close the door but Beldam sticks her fucking needle hand in there but Coraline is still not alone she very rarely was alone ever in this fucking movie because now she has three ghost children helping her yeah well done ghost children finally you're doing something good I really love that the ghost children get the chance to fight back a bit because all their agency was taken from them and they needed a savior but now they can basically return the favor that Coraline is saving them so now they're saving her so it's Mm -hmm. not as one-sided so I actually really appreciate this yeah that's a really nice way to put it it's um the moment where she harvests the power of the ghosts kinda they give her her power so that she can carry them outside but yes one without the other would not have been able to succeed exactly so I really really love that so we pull the door close there is still the fucking needle hand in the colon and Coraline tries to make her way through the colon and now the colon shortens and this is another visual effect that is fucking terrifying yeah like damn girl suddenly the tunnel 
or the colon is no longer a long colon. Nope. Because Beldane does not need it to be long. Also, I think she's actually running out of energy. Hmm. Could also be a part of the thing. Because she's put so much effort into making the world nice and everything and running. Also, fighting is going to take a lot out of her. Yeah, so she's not immortal. And that is what I wonder. Is she immortal and will now suffer in this state? Or will she actually die? Because the hand is still alive, as we learn later on. And to me, that means that... She is still alive. As long as the hand is alive, she is alive. And just because we murdered the hand at the end of the movie, I don't think she's dead. I don't think she's dead yet, but she is eventually going to die. I don't think so. I think she's still there. Unless she can find a way to feed herself, I think she's going to die. And if not like full on dead die, she's going to go into a power saving mode. Yeah, but I think like if at any point some idiot child finds the fucking key and opens the door, mm -hmm. I think that child oh, yeah, is gonna feed her and it's just gonna be done. The child's gonna die so hard. Yeah. So, so I hard. don't think Beldam can proper die. Yes. I think at the end of the movie, she is stripped of all powers. But as soon as someone else picks up the fucking key, mm -hmm. she's gonna be back. This is why it's so important for the key to never be found. Yes. So kids, don't use strange keys that you find and strange doors that open them. Because there's so many kids <laughs> listening to this right now. You never know. <laughs> I'm talking to the inner child of our listeners. <laughs> We are back home. For real. And she is still in her fucking pajamas and it is completely fucked up. She managed to lock the door. Oh yeah, that's another thing. Just in time, she like slams the door shut and locks it. The first thing she notices is that the snow globe that had her parents in it is broken. She puts her hand into like the, the gooey material, right? That dropped down. Yeah. <laughs> it's all broken and everything and it's, it's um, feels really heartbreaking at this point to her because she thinks that she has lost her parents right now mm. for like a half a second she is an orphan orphan child she thinks that she failed yeah but luckily this is a part of the savings grace because the front door opens and her parents walk inside and her parents are covered in snow, which they don't realize. And as the snow melts, it also instantly dries. So there are yeah. no wet patches on their jackets. Obviously, it's a fake snow from a snow globe. But fake snow doesn't melt. You don't know that. Yes, have I do. Have you ever tried to melt this specific fake snow? No, but I have broken a snow globe. This is a very special snow globe. Uh -huh, this is uh -huh. why the mom loved it so much. So this was the moment where I, for the first time, came across the idea that maybe Coraline is simply an incredibly unreliable narrator. And we <laughs> experienced all of this through her. And this is why we experience all these like fantasy things and then of course like going through the entire thing like oh this is and this is a tidbit and this is a hint and this also supports my theory so this is where this idea was born that i have been um repeatedly trying to sell to you throughout the entire recording <laughs> while all the while this is just the classic if a person doesn't want to see weird things they will not see weird things oh yeah absolutely complete ignorance That's why they don't see the... They don't remember anything. They don't see the snow. Obvious. Also, time so didn't obvious. really pass because the groceries didn't go bad. But, ah, uh, well, timey-wimey, Jeremy Barremy. 
No, Coraline no. is ecstatic. It's not the past not passing. It's the suddenly the world putting itself into its where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. 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 So Coraline is ecstatic that her parents are back. She missed them. The parents are very confused as to why she's so happy to see them. And of course, the mom is very upset that her snow globe got broken, but not as upset as I would have expected. She would be that her favorite snow globe got broken. Like, all she does is comment on it. And that is it. There's no lingering, like, tension or blame in the next scene. Yeah, because it's a snow globe and she didn't break the memory. She just broke something that reminded her of the memory. They still have the beautiful picture. Yeah, to me, this is another example of the stress of the not having the money being gone. So that not mm. even Coraline breaking her favorite snow globe is able to put a damper on how happy the parents are. Well, yeah, that's another thing that we now know that the catalog was a success. And therefore, it means that they will make it for another year, possibly. Yeah. Maybe they will be able to keep their fake identities for a little, <laughs> bit, little while longer. I think if... This had happened before the happy news that the catalog was a success. The mom would have escalated the situation more because it would have yeah. hurt more because she would have been in the not happy place yet. Yeah. And now she knows that they can make new memories. Yeah. More so memories. That was and just she can nice get to more see. snow globes. Yeah, it was lovely. Now, another really beautiful thing that happens next is they are putting her to sleep. I mean, they are... They're tucking her in, putting her to sleep. <laughs> wow. And they have finally some time for her now, obviously. Again, the entire vibe is so much more positive and so much less stressful now. The dad joking with the octopus and everything. And it's coming from both sides because... Coraline now worked through this entire, managed to save the entire thing and, and work through all of this terrible things that happened to her while her parents also got to the end of a very stressful time in their lives. So basically all of them now are feeling really, really relieved. Hmm. And it's really showing on their relationship being so sweet. Well, when people aren't stressed, they tend to be nicer persons or nicer versions of themselves. And of course, my favorite part of this scene is that they give her a gift before they leave her. The mom tugs in the box. Yeah. And it's the gloves. Yeah. Because now she could afford them. Ah! Yeah. It wasn't that she didn't want to give them to her. It was because she couldn't afford yeah. them, which is beautiful. They leave and the cat shows up. Coraline does something that I don't think she's done so far this entire movie. And that is apologize. She apologizes to the cat for throwing her at Baldam. And I think her willingness and ability to apologize is one of the biggest shows of her character growth. Yeah. Because being able to apologize means being able to acknowledge that you did something wrong. And having the grace to acknowledge that towards the other person or creature. So this is very important. But yes. we are, of course, not done because like this could have been the perfect happy end. But no, 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 no. And before we talk about the kids who are now angels, I have to mention two IMDb things. And that is, of course, this is where Coraline's actual mother puts away the toy tank. And here I wrote down that it's the British Mark I, nicknamed Mother. Huh? And uh -huh. also the T-shirt of Coraline's dad has a pizza stain. Because there is a deleted scene where he was eating pizza. Aww. 
Yeah. They can afford pizza now. Yeah, but at the end you also have pizza, so it makes sense that they deleted this scene because like... Too many. Would not make sense to have so much pizza, you know? The kids are now angels and they are hovering over Coraline's bed, which I find totally terrifying, but I know that I'm probably different than most people. Also, you you know, Coraline is in general quite unbothered by all of this shit. So uh, yeah. even the fact that she has put the eyeballs, I mean, the <laughs> eyes under her pillow. It's so uh, I wouldn't. Seriously, no. No, they would go into a little box or onto a little pillow in a window or something. On the other hand, I mean, you put your teeth under your pillow so the tooth fairy can collect them. So maybe she was hoping for the eye fairy to show up. Eye fairy. (laughs) That took you way too long. Uh... Anyway, we have this beautiful skies and uh, and this. Uh, is there an IMDb fact about why they used like Van Gogh style painting for the skies? No, sadly. Well, no. that's rude. I would like to know why that specific art. I feel like there must be some sort of a reasoning behind it because obviously there's reasoning with, behind every single aesthetic choice that they made during this movie because of the attention to detail. I will put it on the list because it is a really good question. Yeah. So Because I love it. It's amazing. I would, yeah, I, I love this kind of a fever dreamish kind of a situation. But why? We will ask whenever we get the chance. Yeah. But it inspires Coraline. The conversation inspires Coraline. Well, the children tell her, basically. Yeah. It's over for us, but it's not over for you. Yeah. Because as long as the key exists, there is danger. So sadly, we're now back to Coraline needing external prompting to realize shit. I was so proud of her, but well, she's still a fucking child. 11 years old. She decides the best course of action is to go out into the night now to get rid of the key, which... Good timing also. She's not wrong. But she also didn't know that there was a needle hand stalking her. So, (laughs) I mean, eh. But also she's not by herself because she has the cat with her. While walking down towards the deep, 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 deep well, which like beautifully closes the circle of the story. Because this is how we start and this is how we end. She is reciting the weird food song that her dad sang at the first dinner. It's so cute. This time she's actually being stalked by the hand. We once again have the parallel between the beginning and the end and it is really, really well done because once again, we have YB showing up to rescue her in the beginning. He showed up to terrify her. The paralleling in this movie, I feel we talked about it quite a lot, but I think we could have talked about it even more. If you wanted more, listen to the bonus because there's probably more of it in there. (laughs) Very likely because it's been hours again. Mm -hmm. There is loads of fighting with the hand now. So YB shows up at the very last moment and saves Coraline, but then he gets into trouble and Coraline saves him in return. So this is all about cooperation, I'd say. And it's actual about teamwork, yeah. Realizing that Caroline cannot be selfish in order to succeed. And that she also cannot be alone. Like that she needs others. And so looking yes. down on others is not the way to be. Helpful. But one thing I kinda have to point out is why do they think it's smart to put the smashed hand together with the key down the well? 
because if the hand ends up not being dead dead and even like the tiniest piece of it manages to crawl out, it would have direct access to the key. Like, I feel that's a really, really, really stupid idea to bury the hand with the key. Kind of, yeah. But like, also, first of all, that opens as possibility for a sequel. And second of all... (laughs) um, Nice. Okay, good point. (laughs) If the tiny, tiny, tiny piece of hand somehow, somehow, can't imagine how, manages to crawl out, I very much seriously doubt that it would have enough power or strength to drag a whole fucking arse key that's tied to the blanket with the stones in it out of the wall. With enough time, I think it's possible, but I'm going to take your... It's the open door for Coraline 2. Most importantly, though, of course, in this scene, at the very end, we learn that YB, in fact, did stalk Coraline, but it wasn't his idea. It was the cat's idea. Yeah. And that is and very he, cute. He also apologizes for not believing her earlier when he came over to get the doll. Yeah. Which, thank you. Thank you for that. He is making kind of steps towards he a compromise. He's trying to find a common ground with Caroline. Yeah. And she is being open to that, which is the first time she's actually being opened to the real YB. Rather than either completely hazing him or yelling at him about the weird shit that she just went through. So this is the first time the friendship actually starts developing we had the little spark when she was taking the pictures of him and the slug with the slug (laughs) yes so there was the potential there was the potential for friendship there but now we actually see it developed by them helping each other out and uh, joining forces in order to save themselves from this terrible fate they're also both being gracious because like her stating that she's actually happy that he stalked her, him acknowledging that he actually did stalk her because he did not like uh, confess to that in the beginning, him apologizing, her seeing as to why he probably couldn't understand it in that moment. So they're both behaving very grown up for their 11 something years. So that is, it's very cute, but also they just, especially Coraline, grew up a lot throughout the last one and a half hours, basically. (laughs) One more thing about this, they mention grandma and grandma Mm. again is calling for YB. So uh, all the weirdest times of night and day, she's calling for her grandson. Right. Now we know that or Coraline knows and shares with YB what happened to his great aunt and he just doesn't know how to translate it to her so she says bring her her to the garden party tomorrow I will tell her which is again very 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 mature of her yep also, it's simply easier instead of explaining everything to YB in detail and then have him translate it and then shit gets lost in translation. So, no. Before we go into the garden party, two IMDb facts. So, number one, very obvious. At the end of the movie, we see the clouds moving away from the moon and they are in the shapes of the other mother's hand. But at the end of the movie, when the camera zooms out from everyone in the garden, we can see that the landscaping in the real world resembles the other mother's true face as opposed to Coraline being the garden face in the other world. Wow. I didn't notice that. This is a whole paralleling that I wanted to get in here, so I don't have to put it at the end of the garden party, because at the end of the garden party, I want to talk about the credits. (laughs) (laughs) 
we go finally to the celebration. Yes, the actual happy end. It is so cute. I love that Caroline is the one who initiates it. She is also the one who invites all her neighbors. Yes, because Mr. Bubinski is not a drunk. He's just eccentric. Exactly. And she is the one who is giving away the cold refreshments. She's serving the is, drinks. She certainly is serving, yes. <laughs> She's also serving sass to Mr. Bobinski, who is ripping out the tulips and replacing it with and beets. The fact that he is replacing it with beets, it's so funny to me. Because it's so on brand. And he's like, kind of like, ashamed. But like, <laughs> like, no, you didn't see me do anything. No, no, it was tulips. It's tulips. Shut up. It's tulips. What is the point of planting a beet that is already a size you can eat? Like, will it grow bigger or will it grow more beets? I know nothing about beets. I hate beets. Listen, this dude is super eccentric. What do you want from me? Explain his thought process? No, explain gardening to me. I know nothing about gardening. <laughs> Listen, I walk into a room with plants, they die. So Same. Okay, dear listeners, please explain to us why Bobinski is planting beets. Yes. Thank you. I want to point out one thing. When we go into the garden party with the camera, we have a balloon and there's like a thread hanging down from the balloon and it is spiraled in the same way as the unraveling happened in the other world. Yeah. So I don't know if it's coincidence, but I saw this as yet another parallel. Unlikely. And also, wow, it's way too many tulips. Why is Coraline so obsessed with tulips? And why is this the first time we hear about that? I feel like when you're growing up like this, it's kind of, you get hyper-focused on things. <laughs> so if you like something, you really, 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 really like something, you so know? Coraline is a flower nerd. Well, no, she's a tulip nerd. Okay, she's a tulip nerd. Okay, good. I can live with that. Coraline the tulip nerd. Good. This is going to be the yeah. name of the third part of the episode. Coraline the tulip <laughs> nerd. And of course, the last thing I have to point out here is pink lemonade with gin. Always, anytime. Give me more. Yes. <laughs> gin? Sign me up. Now, especially with pink lemonade. I think that is a really good pairing. There is a good pairing, depending on what pink lemonade it is, but... Well, of course, me, it has to be tasty shit. Like, duh. For me, it usually is a little too sweet. Just because you salty does not mean you can't, does not mean you can't drink sweet. I'm not saying I can't drink sweet. I'm just saying that I choose less sweet options if mm -hmm. I can. Sugar and spice, honey. Sugar and spice. We end this movie with YB actually bringing his grandmother down and Coraline very gently coming up to her and starting to tell her a story. Which is the story. Adorable and closure. And we're always here for closure. Did you notice yep. that Bobinski still calls her Caroline? He does not yes. call her Coraline. So shame, shame, shame. Like, my dude, get with the program. We're paying attention to her now. But she can now deal with the fact of being misnamed, which I wish she wouldn't have to, but that is reality and that is life. So she needs to arrange herself with that. Yeah. And with that, the camera pans out. And of course, we have the sign of the Pink Palace with the cat on the sign and the cat magically walking behind the post and vanishing. So very Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, but even in this world, cats are magic and you are not surprised. Of course. It's a cat. They have their ways. 
And so normal people turn off the movie when the credits start. I'm not a normal person. <laughs> I always, and even if I have to turn up the speed or skip through it, I always watch the credits because you never know when there's something hidden in there. There are a few things I want to point out. So obviously we have the Coraline writing and at the end the O is a button and the L is a cat, which lovely. We get the angel dog, the bad dog and the rat ball as characters basically, which is also cute. And then the credits do not give us the usual character name slash actor name list. But we do get additional voices. And two of the additional voices have the surname Selick, just like our director. So George and Harry Selick are somehow related to our Selick. And the voice actor of the mover is actually called Jerome Ranft, just like the character. So that was funny. That's very cute. I'm pretty sure the director's son is the one who voices the boy. The ghost boy, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Uh, the other one, I don't know. Then we get a very special thanks to Phil Knight. And I was like, who the fuck is Phil Knight? So I put that into Google and... Phil Knight is the fucking co-founder of Nike and he wanted his son to step into his footsteps. Well, his son had other ideas and then his son talked Phil into founding Leica Studios together. Aww. So, yeah. Blessed be. And so I said that we don't get like character name and actor list names or something, but we do get names of people working on the movie. And the name Coraline is a pretty unusual name. But there is a Coraline Tessie in the Nice Children's Choir in the credits. So we have an actual Coraline that was relevant to the movie Coraline. Do you think she was named after the book Coraline? That is possible. I don't know that. And lastly, I want to say that at the very, very end, literally the last final second, the words... For those in the know, jerkwad appear on the screen. Because back when that movie came out, you could use that on the Coraline website to gain entry to a contest. Ah. Yeah. That is very cute. So, jerkwad. (laughs) Jerkwad. Yes. That is literally the last thing on screen. For those in the know, jerkwad. (laughs) Okay. Do you want my final thoughts on the movie? No, I want to ask you questions. I have four questions for you. I have two general questions and I have two prediction questions for the book. First general question for you. How scared of this movie do you think you would have been as a child? Because it's rated PG, so like no age restriction. Yes, I would be scared. (laughs) Even how scared? Like, do you think you would have nightmares or... I've never had nightmares when it comes to movies. My nightmares are completely taken from real life and things that I cannot have. Okay. My nightmares are actually very beautiful dreams that feel very realistic. (laughs) And then I wake up and I am in a lot of mental pain because I know that those are not real. Those are my worst nightmares. So I don't really suffer with those. Also, I used to have this recurring dream as a child that I was in in my house, but there were giants attacking my town and I was trying to run away from them, which is really difficult to run away from giants because... They literally can do one step and they, they, yeah, you know, so I had, and I had multiple dreams that would like click together, connect together with all of this. And I would like try to run. See, like, I have a very very weird tangent when I'm asking you how scared would you have been of this as a child? 
So I would not have nightmares. Okay. But I think because I have got, I remember my uh, arachnophobia from a very early age. Ooh, okay. So that so would have fucked you up. I think that would have made it worse or maybe better, uh, but likely worse. Good point. Then I think we already talked about this, but it's probably ended in a bonus. Did you watch any other known stop motion movies? And of course, specifically, have you watched Nightmare Before Christmas? And if yes, how did you like that? I have seen Nightmare Before Christmas, obviously. I've seen, uh, I think, most of Tim Burton's work. So, of course, so, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of that. I don't know if I've seen every single one of them. I think I've seen Nightmare Before Christmas for the first time in a cinema. Oh. Not that long ago. About five or six years ago. And oh. I saw it in a 3D. What? Okay. So they were doing a special Halloween showing in a Dublin in a cinema in 3D. And I remember we walked through, walking late because I was at work or something. So I missed the first half of the first scene. <gasps> and I obviously rewatched it a few times since, okay good but, good, um, good 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 okay. but it was a Halloween showing and it was in 3D and that was my first impression of the movie and I really really liked it but I have mentioned this during recording of the movie this movie coverage there is a lot of stop motion in Czech and Czechoslovakian history for children so I have a big relationship to that and therefore a lot of like claymation and stuff like that are very very oh, near and dear to my heart yes i love claymation claymation is so fucking amazing okay two questions for predictions for the book okay they're very similar first question do you think any characters were missing or were added like do you think there's like a character in the book that is missing in the movie or do you think there's a character that was added to the movie that does not exist in the book at all and if so, who? I think it's going to be a yes on both questions. Okay. I think there is somebody missing for sure. I think that it might be... Uh, first of all, I feel like there's going to be more grandma mm-hmm. involvement in the book. Because I feel like there was a lot of suggestions about her story, but we didn't get the background. Mm-hmm. And I think that we might get that in the in the book. Mm-hmm. knowing Neil a little bit. Who do you think was Edit? If you say both, yes. So more grandma, who do you think was Edit? Um, I feel all of them are pretty pivotal characters and you don't really know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say the movers were Edit because <laughs> that's the easiest answer. But I also think... Maybe I'm sending uh, you on a wild goose change, Chase. Maybe no one was Edit. Likely. I think that one of the neighbors is changed. I'm going to go with that. That yeah. there is a, one of the neighbors is different to the neighbors that we're getting. in. That the is actually movie. my second question. Do you think any of the characters that are like pivotal to the story are very, very different in the book compared to what we have now witnessed? So you already said like one of the neighbors is going to be very different. Yes. Okay. I think that mm, I'm going to just take a step in the dark and say the sisters are going to be something else in the book. Okay. I love that. I love that you're like looking everywhere but the camera. <laughs> I have a very it's bad poker face, thing. so I, I have to. It's fine. Your your face is very overexposed right now, so I don't see any details. Yes. It's, it's the white brightness because everything else is literally dark as black. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay, so now it is time for your final thoughts. Ooh, okay. Well, having seen the 
movie more than once. It's a really lovely story about childhood and how important it is to appreciate what we have. And it is that's not working just for Coraline. It also is taking uh, it also works for her parents and everybody else in the story i appreciate Coraline's bravery but she did kind of put herself in the middle of it so <laughs> a lot of a lot of the stuff that happened were kind of her fault mostly though i really really enjoyed it and i will not say no to a rewatch but i am very very hyped for the book at the moment i am very happy to hear that I love this story with all my heart. I have had to hold back a lot because we're not mentioning anything from the book because I want you to be able to experience it without any influence from my site. And I know that I already failed several times when we did a live watch because I was so overexcited. It's Um, okay. So I actually cannot comment on much because so many of my comments relate to both the book and the movie. I have to say, obviously, I have made it very clear. I enjoy the stop motion animation and I just absolutely adore the art form and I appreciate the amount of fucking work that goes into it. And so even the tiniest scene or the shortest moment is just something that gives me so much joy because I feel that you can feel the amount of labor of love people have put into this. The soundtrack for Coraline is something else that is really close to my heart because it's never overpowering, but it always is incredibly fitting. My main issue with the movie, as it is with so many movies, is the level of competence of the main character. In most situations, Coraline would be dead were it not for so many other people helping her. But that's the tale that we learn. That does not change my utter dislike of it. Teamwork makes the dream work. Yes, and I expect a minimum level of competency from my heroes, no matter how flawed or young they are. Listen, I literally cannot. Yes. Two words: garden shears. Yeah. No, we talked about this, so I don't even have to say two words. I have to say we talked about this. I have to say four. We talked about this. <laughs> Five words out for a uh, walk, bitch. Sorry, Buffy reference. <laughs> Been a while since we had one. Final sentence, I fucking cannot wait for us to cover the book so that I can finally talk about all the differences and about everything that they did perfectly. So basically you're saying that the book is going to take us not seven hours, but 15. Probably. Good. Excited. (laughs) Let's not do it all in one go, please. No, we probably should schedule out like at least three recording sessions and make sure we have time on all three of them. And if we happen to only need two and a half, then yay for an early night. Yay. So this was Coraline the movie. We hope you wonderful people who listen to this enjoyed this. Let us know if you watched the movie just for this, if you watched it before, and if you knew or already know the book, or if you're now going to read it, to be able to listen along with the next 17.3 episodes that we're going to need to be able to cover it all. (laughs) And with that, we say thank you for listening today. We are on 
all the different social media. You can find us on Blue Sky Yay! at the Apple of Truth. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and everywhere else. I'm not going to say the other website, but most importantly, you can find us on Patreon. Please check us out. And if you feel like you want to support us and help us out, go to patreon.com slash podcast. We would love to have you join our Discord. So thank you and bye! bye.